You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 163. Today's reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 32 through 38. Brethren, recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on the prisoners, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that you may do the will of God and receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one shall come and shall not tarry, but my righteous one shall live by faith. In today's opening verse, St. Paul refers to those who were, quote, enlightened. And, and I noticed in some other translation, the word is instead illuminated, meaning that they'd received baptism. And then he goes on to say that they endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Now, I start by pointing out this verse because I think it's common for many of us to assume that once we've been baptized, somehow we will be preserved from struggles, persecution, and so forth. And, of course, Jesus teaches us to the contrary. But nevertheless, I think this is a common assumption by many Christians. So, Father, as we begin today, would you provide us with some context here in Hebrews and address this opening verse? Yeah, let's begin by taking a step back, looking briefly at the entire epistle to the Hebrews. This epistle seems to have been written to, or at least targeted to, a Jewish audience, hence the name, the epistle to the Hebrews. And specifically, the epistle is making an argument from Scripture that Jesus is the biblical Messiah prophesied in what we Christians now call the Old Testament, and that he fulfilled the promises of God by reconciling all people to God, including both the Jews and the Gentiles. So, Furthermore, it appears as though the epistle is likely written to a community of Jews who had accepted Jesus as the Messiah, but were likely struggling to continue in what we would now call the Christian faith, and who were likely being attracted back to more traditional forms of Judaism of the time. Can you discuss that a little bit farther, uh, Father, what you mean by that, by the traditional forms of Judaism? Yeah, what I mean by that is uh, we've now come to call Christianity, uh, at at the time it was, uh, of the Epistle to the Hebrews, it was seen as a minority sect within Judaism, so there was not such a big distinction. It was something that was obviously new, a new form uh, or new expression of Judaism, but obviously this is uh, difficult to maintain, to maintain maintain Christianity, what we now call Christianity, within Judaism, because Christianity requires uh, radical change. And how so? Uh, Multiple factors. Uh, First and foremost, from a religious, ritualistic perspective, this is highlighted a number of times in the epistle to the Hebrews itself, uh, you have the cessation of the offerings in the temple. Christ is seen as the sacrifice of all sacrifices, the sacrifice that puts to end the necessity of any other offering. And so this is obviously a major, major change as compared to traditional Judaism of the time. 
And then on top of that, I would stress you, you have this radical change of disposition towards the Gentile, towards the unclean, towards the outsider. Along with that, you have uh, the notion uh, that Jerusalem is not of such value that you would spill blood over it, that you would go to war to, uh, over control of the city. And as a Christian believer, uh, you can be a pious Christian anywhere, and every person is uh, someone that you can possibly reconcile with, that you can bring with you to the table of God. So you can no longer spill blood over Jerusalem. You must instead learn to come to peace, even with your enemy, in as much as it's possible for you to do. And if it's not possible, you simply move elsewhere, practice your faith in peace there. And by the way, I would point out that we see this continue today, this mindset continue today all over the Middle East with Christians being a peaceful group, uh, with many of them leaving to live somewhere uh, to practice their faith in peace, even though it's obviously very difficult for a person to, to uh, take up and leave their homeland, especially uh, under those types of circumstances where they're being persecuted. And we actually hear a reference uh, to this type of mindset uh, in today's passage. It's something uh, that if we're listening closely should really strike us because it's so foreign to how we're trained to think. We hear, and I quote, You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. End of quote there. And I mean, this is just an incredible statement, especially to the American ear. Uh, but of course, even so, in the time of the epistle, it's, it's just a radical statement. In, in any case, I want to highlight how different Christianity was compared to uh, traditional Jewish uh, customs of that time. And so because of these major differences, some of the Jews who first believed in Christ and his teaching are inevitably struggling to maintain that amidst pressure to be more, quote, normal among their peers, their fellow Jews, the majority of the Jews who did not accept uh, this Jesus. That's a really helpful context for us, Father. Thank you. So maybe just to kind of summarize what you said, this epistle to the Hebrews was written to Jews who were struggling with maintaining their faith in Jesus because it was so different from the way most Jews practice their religion. And yet the epistle is making the case that it's the scriptures themselves who speak to Jesus in this change, or, or rather this fulfillment, that then opens up God's community to the Gentiles also and, and ends the Old Covenant sacrificial system. So with that backdrop... Could you address what I mentioned earlier about how the epistle states that, quote, uh, they endured a hard struggle with sufferings? Because, again, I think it's common for many of us to assume that once we've been baptized, somehow we will be preserved from struggles, persecution, and so forth. Well, there's uh, certainly the explicit teaching of this type of thinking uh, in modern-day so-called prosperity gospel teaching. But I have recognized, as you seem to, that, that many Christians, while uh, not explicitly endorsing the prosperity gospel, seem to have some sort of implicit or inherent understanding that if they're living a pious and faithful life, that they will be preserved from sufferings. But nothing could be further from the truth. And it's really actually perplexing to understand how we could believe this. I, I think perhaps the confusion comes from the fact that, that Scripture clearly teaches that in the end, at the judgment, we will overcome the persecution of this world. In addition, I, I think there's confusion in what it means that Jesus suffered for us or sacrificed himself for us. The epistle to the Hebrews actually discusses this 
uh, right before today's passage that, that you read for us at the opening. And what it means is that we no longer have to make sacrifices for our sins as Jesus offered the once-for-all sacrifice, but it clearly does not mean we'll never suffer. In fact, in reviewing the epistle uh, for today's podcast, something uh, uh, stuck out to me that I hadn't noticed before. I see. Interesting. So what was that? A few verses before the reading that you read today in Hebrews 10, uh, verses 12 through 13, we hear about Jesus, and, and I give a quote here. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. End of the quote. So we see here that even Jesus himself is waiting until the final judgment for his enemies to be made his footstool. In other words, even though God has already reversed the judgment of this world against Jesus by raising him from the dead as the first fruits or the proof of the universal resurrection. Despite all of that, even Jesus is patiently waiting for his enemies to be fully subdued. And I point this out because, again, what Jesus has done does not mean that we'll never suffer. In fact, we hear elsewhere from Jesus himself, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We should expect that if we're truly following the gospel, the Pharisees among us will persecute us. We should expect the ungodly and the worldly to label us as fools. And we will be like those to whom this epistle to the Hebrews is addressed. We will have to make a choice. Will we continue in the way of Jesus Christ, which is most perfectly practiced, always a minority way, or will we fall in line with the majority because we're unwilling to suffer the consequences of following Christ? That's the ultimate question being proposed to us by this epistle. To conclude today, Father, I want to briefly touch on verse 36, where Paul says, For you have need of endurance, so that you may do the will of God and receive what is promised. We know in physical exercise that endurance doesn't just occur uh, on its own without exerting ourselves on a routine, uh, on a consistent basis. But with spiritual endurance, I think that that can be maybe a bit more abstract concept for many of us, myself included. Do you have any practical advice uh, for us, Father, on building of spiritual endurance? Well, I think first and foremost, you need the correct mindset. Uh, That's what we've tried to highlight throughout this brief podcast. And to compare, as you did, to physical exercise. I like that comparison. Uh, If you go to the gym and and you think it's going to be a walk in the park and you think there's going to be no pain, no suffering, then you're not really going to build any endurance, right? The saying goes, no pain, no gain. So it all begins with the mindset. If you want physical endurance, you require the mindset that there will be some difficulties that go along with that and uh, you're going to be in it for the long run. So too with gaining spiritual endurance. Uh, second thing I would point out is the uh, fact that I mentioned going to a gym. Now, there are some people who uh, work out, gain great physical endurance on their own in their, in their own home gym, but they seem to be few and far between. Most people who gain physical endurance do so by going to some sort of gym. And why is that? Well, I think it's because at the gym you have a community, a community of like-minded people. It's encouraging. It's supportive. So, too, spiritually you should find a serious church community, ideally one that is focused more on living out the gospel, putting it into practice, than they are about following pharisaical rules and rituals 
and or uh, criticizing or condemning others who are not like them. In fact, uh, this very issue of community is addressed in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. So again, right before our reading for today, where we hear, quote, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. End of quote. So again, uh, Paul advocating there for the community, as I said, that uh, helps us uh, like-minded people encouraging and supportive and challenging us. And then finally, I would say you need to realize uh, it's going to take time to build up true endurance, even more so to maintain the endurance. You don't go to the gym one or two times and then you have endurance the rest of your life. You have to go many times. You have to keep going in order to maintain it. And so it is with spiritual endurance. You can't just one time take a stand for the gospel and then you're set for the rest of your life. It has to be a daily decision each and every day. You have to set your mind on taking a stand for the gospel, for the endurance to continue. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we began with an overview of the epistle to the Hebrews. This epistle was written to Jews who were struggling with maintaining their faith in Jesus because it was so different from the way most Jews practice their religion. And yet the epistle makes the case that it is the scriptures themselves who speak to Jesus and this change the fulfillment that opens up God's community to the Gentiles and ends the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant. Father Aaron then went on to discuss the common misconception that Christians should not expect to face hardships and sufferings. This notion, however, could not be further from the truth. While we will overcome the persecution of this world in the end, at the judgment, because Jesus offered the once-for-all sacrifice, It clearly does not mean we will never suffer in this life. Jesus tells us elsewhere in Scripture that we will be persecuted, and so we should expect persecution if we are truly following the gospel. Finally, in discussing the need for endurance that is addressed in today's reading, Father pointed out that just as we are encouraged and supported by a group of like-minded people when going to the gym— We should also seek out a serious church community that will support our goal of spiritual endurance, a community that is focused on living out the gospel by putting it into practice, not one that is concerned with pharisaical rules and rituals and condemnation of others who are not like them. Finally, we should consider Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Glory to thee.